Literature and Psychology by Dr. Saideh Malik Afzali, Dr. Daniel Rockers, and Dr. Alex Andrade from Tabana Organization. Tabana is a non-profit mental health organization organized in Sacramento, California. Tabana seeks to help individuals and families to strengthen their capabilities and to thrive. Aired on Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 1 o'clock weekly. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrati. And uh, we are um, talking about um, different style of communication, communication in general, um, and also the skills of communication. And there are also some difficult conversations that is part of the communication. So today we are going to talk about uh, communication skills to begin with and different ways of we can communicate. So. Um, I just want to let my colleagues chime in, uh, and then we can continue. Communication. Alex, can you start chiming there? Yeah, I'm going to start. <laughs> I've never been asked to chime. I appreciate that. As far as communication, that is a first for me. I have never been asked to chime before. I like to try unique things. And there, make there we go. Statements. Yeah, I could be a chimer. I could be a chimer. I think with communication, there's so many different ways to communicate, but I think we fall into a pattern. I think there are like a handful of ways that we'll tend to communicate. And it's just, there's, there's so many different situations that we can be in. It's, it's good to have a couple of go-tos. And so, and for myself, you know, I, I think, and probably because of my profession, when it comes to communication, I think I'm very thorough. I think I'm I'm constantly thinking about how it's going to impact the person wanting to fully elaborate my my thought process um, because in therapy sometimes I'm I'm guiding a person through what you know they said how it was interpreted how it maybe applies to them how others can perceive it which as I say it out loud it could probably be annoying in in most social situations if I'm you kind of calculating all of those things and so. While I, I know that's something that I can easily, easily and quickly do because it's something I do for work, I, I have become over the years a little bit more attuned so that I'm not just doing that uh, in my personal life constantly. Um, but uh, at times, like I'll, I'll have a conversation with a friend. I'll say, okay, well, this, this, is, this is me. This is Alex. Don't do that. But Therapist Alex would say, well, you have a lot of options. And in reflecting upon those options, it sounds like some align with your values a little bit more than others, which really resonate with you, particularly which values are coming to the forefront for you. So again, two very different ways of approaching it, um, where just telling somebody the answer, what they should do with their life versus guiding somebody. So that for me is something that I know is a part of my communication Kind of repertoire, if you will. What about you guys? Do you find that there's a pattern or a, a way that you tend to communicate? You know what I've discovered about myself is that I am a listener, and <clears throat> I don't know what which came first, but I know that for me, 
once I hear somebody saying something, then I can process it and think about it and then offer something up. But it is a lot more challenging for me to start off by producing a lot of things, which is probably also what you have both noticed, which is I tend to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. so I can get that info, information or material out there. And then that gives me something to work off of. I think um, you guys can actually judge about me better so far, but I, and I'd say if I'm wrong about myself, <laughs> but I think I'm open to sharing and I don't, I'm not afraid of sharing. And I basically, actually, I like to share. You know, whatever I run into in life, um, you know, and if anything I learn, I just like to just share it. And um, it's easy for me to start a communication. Doesn't matter where I am, with who I am, I can just talk to a complete stranger uh, on the street. And I can just start and and just go by the pace or by the way the other person responds. So if somebody is not willing to communicate, I totally, very quickly, I get it. I, I go by the tone of what I hear and I adjust my communication and, and I pick very quickly. Somebody is not in the mood to talk. I better, you know, shut up. <laughs> and, and if somebody is open, I continue. So I feel like communication is something that I love. Uh, I, and every time I thought about myself, um, where I want to be in life, I always like to be around people, communicate, um, you know, just be there for um, interaction and engaging with people. Yeah, you have a very gentle and non-threatening style of communication, Saide. I appreciate that. So I would imagine that people will open up to you pretty easily because it's not threatening. It doesn't, people aren't trying so hard to gauge, well, what's behind this? What's behind that? I know sometimes with my questions, people, if I don't, haven't established some rapport with them, they won't, they don't want to go into that or they be very guarded. So I I appreciate that because I hear that from many people, even when I was in doctoral degree, whenever we were doing um, um, the role play, uh, people in my class, in every class I was, they always put me as a counselor, as a psychologist. And I always was so proud of that because they said, it just fits you perfectly because I feel like I can talk to you. And I was always so happy to hear that. And I hear that from people. So I appreciate it. Okay. What about, so- me? What about me, Dan, though, that I noticed, you know, you gave side A, you know, that compliment, you know, I was, that's why I was that, that pregnant pause. I was waiting to hear how good of a talker I was, but Hey, you know, that's okay. Uh, you're communicating a lot with that silence, Daniel. I, I think that's another part of communication uh, that we should uh, talk I- about today. The value of silence. <laughs> the sounds of silence. Well, I thought that's no, too heard... late. It's too late. It's too late. Let's go. Encourage listeners. Listen to sarcasm episode that we brought up yesterday. 
and that'll that'll answer that. I, what I heard Sade ask the question about how she was perceived, so <laughs> that's why I was responsible. He said better than Alex. That's what I heard. So yeah, no, just kidding. Just kidding. All right, that was the subtext you heard. No, but jokingly, uh, seriously though, yeah, no, but uh, silence. I, honestly, it's it's one of those things where I think silence can be very powerful too. I think it's a way that we. I think it's something about communication that we underestimate a lot of times. And so I find if somebody doesn't say anything and, and, you know, I've, I, in my own therapy, I recall, uh, you know, my therapist was very traditional. And so he would start the session with, he would say nothing. And in that silence, I would sit there often awkwardly and wonder like, well, what do I say? And like, I find in that silence, certain thoughts and ideas and feelings can end up coming up. And so that can be something that, we don't realize what that brings up for a person until we're having to sit in silence a little bit more where, like you said, Daniel, for example, somebody could be, you know, listening and versus it being this intentional silence or meant to, uh, you know, make a person feel uncomfortable. Uh, But it is something I've learned over the years. A lot of people feel uncomfortable with silence. And even if you point it out, it starts to get a little awkward sometimes, but uh, yeah, sometimes it communicates more than we want it to, but I think it's valuable too. It's something uh, definitely as a therapist, I've learned the value of silence, letting that patient sit with those thoughts or feelings for a minute, kind of allowing that space for thoughts to come out. Uh, and, and I think in, in relationships, that could be important too, you know, to be able to not feel like we have to fill that void with something. I jokingly say some of my best friends are the people I can sit in silence with and really say nothing to. Um, and we can just be together in those ways. So I think that's a valuable part of a communication that gets underestimated or weaponized just as I did there a few minutes ago. Yeah. 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 I felt it there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people don't really have the experience of comfortable silence. A lot of us never really have that. And so then silence, like real silence, where there's not music playing, there's not some TV going on. It's just silence with people together that can be uncomfortable because their only experience with uncomfortable silence is the angry silence. So probably is associated with that or uncomfortableness. Yeah, the body language, it's huge. And I was just thinking about, um, do we know, I mean, of course, we know our values and our beliefs. The power of knowing our values, our beliefs, I think in every part of our communication appears. And I think when we know our values and our beliefs, when we are communicating, um, I think it makes our communication more powerful, more authentic, because this is who we are. And we always operate from that point. Um, I think in our profession, in our friendship, in our relationship with our loved ones, I think this shows up because you can have a belief and value and interact differently. If you're an authentic person, your values and your beliefs always shows up in your communication. And um, I think um, that makes you a more credible person in your communication. And we often hear about authentic communication, authentic behavior, authentic relationship. We always, it's very clear for us when we say authentic uh, cuisine, authentic 
um, we, we always think of the origin, we always think of how this has been made, but do we ever know what is authentic communication? What do we know about authentic communication? Great question. I think it gets a conversation. I don't want to start with this. I think the message that we're trying to say a lot of times gets convoluted because of the worries, fears, and apprehensions that we have about ourselves, about others. I think a lot of people are sometimes as though, you know, it needs to be said a certain way or they need to sound a certain way. And so I find that sometimes it's in our, our, those moments where we feel safe, we feel comfortable, or even in those other times where we feel, you know, we're at, at such a heightened level of stress that we don't even care. We, we, we can't, we don't have that, that, that gauge, that monitor that we can say whatever is underneath uh, saying what's kind of actually on our mind. But uh, yeah, I find a lot of times, you know, at work, think about it, you know, at work, you, you need to sound a certain way to your colleagues, you're, you know, there's this constant monitoring that I think we do in so much of our life. Um, and I see that too, kind of negatively, sometimes in relationships, you know, it's like, well, I can't talk about this, they're going to be upset, or, you know, don't talk about this with this friend. Um, you know, I don't want to sound away, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, arrogant, or I don't want to sound like I'm dismissive of, you know, their experience. So I think a lot of times, there's this calculating, measuring part of us that doesn't allow us to be as authentic as we would hope to be. Uh, I kind of, that's one of the things I've always said that I, I enjoy about the therapeutic process is that that's something there, that's a space that sometimes I'll, I'll hear people be able to, without all of those restrictions, you know, say what they think and what they feel. Um, obviously they exist there too, but to be able to just have that freedom and, and just say what's on our mind and say what we're thinking or feeling. I, I find a lot of people, they like that. Those are the friendships that we think about. Those are the relationships we think about. Like, man, that was, you know, I really like that person. Or I really like talking with that person. It's because we can be authentic. We can just be without having to, to measure and calculate. Sade, are you talking about authentic communication or people being authentic in communication? I think it's both, isn't it? Because when you are authentic, in general, an authentic person in your communication, you can't be any anybody different than that. Mm. Um, and I think it goes hand in hand. But I was just thinking, uh, you know, I'm not uh, sure if you have anybody close to your family, but I always remember of my own aunt, who was very authentic and would say anything you ask her in a very authentic way. She wasn't maybe as thoughtful how to say it, but she was very authentic. So uh, the first person that came to my mind uh, was, was her. And um, everybody talks about her as an authentic person because she was just saying what she thought. You know, what Alex, you were saying, I know exactly, we are always, you know, thinking about how you say this, how do you, um, for example, even if you really want to relay a message to people about, especially if you're, um, you know, having your staff under you, you always think about what you want to say. It's very difficult, especially in politics or in workplace, not to think of how to say what you want to say. But I think someone who is not working, who is in uh, the never worked, was always a housewife, was uh, 
was not worried about anything, was very authentic. I don't know if, for example, my aunt was in workplace, I was, was working, had staff or had other people uh, working with how she would have learned differently, but she wasn't worried about anything. But that was the way she was. And I had other aunts that they weren't like her. Um, so is it something that people are born with it? Because she was different than other people in the family. She was uh, very authentic. So um, the first person came to my mind was that I don't know if you have any experience like like that. I don't. I mean, nothing comes to my mind off the top of my head. I'm sure I have had people in my life who were that way. Hey, Alex, what about you? I just think uh, there can be moments where people are like that. But yeah, to consistently, I can't think of anybody like that who's who's been that way. But I, I think it does speak to the idea that it could be refreshing, probably, but then also jarring, too, because it's like this person's going to they're going to, you know, kind of give you the truth in that way or, you know, how they see the truth. So, yeah, I could see it kind of going both ways. I think the presentation matters quite a lot. I think that's what we call diplomacy or tact. And I think the diplomacy or tact has to do with my regard for the other person, because if I perceive them as a potential aggressor or someone I'm in conflict with, that's going to be a different presentation than if I regard someone as my friend, longtime friend. And it means that I'll approach things differently. But I think a lot of times diplomacy or tact has to do with we may regard someone as an aggressor, but we approach them as a longtime friend. And in that way, we did, can deliver things in a little softer manner. That's my take on it. Now, I know some people have friends where they just are flat out and say, man, you're screwing up here. You better reel it in. And some people will start off by saying, hey, I don't know if you know it or not, but here's what my experience was in that. And those are very different presentations. One's a little more bam right in front of you. And the other is, here's the thing to consider. I found it very difficult to just be as authentic as we are talking about, like right to the face of the closest person to yourself to come back and say what you really want to say. If even a person says, what do you think about this? You feel like you don't want to hurt this person. If you just turn back and say, like Dan said, hey, man, you screwed up. You don't, uh, I haven't been able to do that because I always think of how much hurt that might have if you say it. So you may say what you want to say in a very different way, you know. So when we come back, we continue to talk about this. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده امروز در خدمتون هستیم. ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت 12 تا یک بعد از ظهر به زبان انگلیسی صحبت می‌کنیم. امروز صحبتمون راجع به کمیونیکیشن چجوری ما با هم در ارتباط هستیم صحبت می‌کنیم و تا کنون صحبت کردیم راجع به موضوعات مختلف از جمله اینکه ما چه نوع کمیونیکیتر پرسنی شخصی هستیم چجوری شروع صحبت می‌کنیم آیا ما خجالتی هستیم آیا ما میتونیم راحت با همه ارتباط برقرار کنیم و صحبت هایی در این زمینه اگه تازه رادیوتون رو باز کردین و اینکه 
ما اگر که صحبت میکنیم با دوستان یا فامیل یا سر کارمون چقدر ارزش ها و باورهامون رو در رفتارمون و در ارتباطاتمون برقرار میکنیم برمیگردیم در خدمتون هستیم خواهش میکنم پادکست های ما رو دنبال کنین ما حدود 160 پادکست داریم که از سپاریفای و همینطور از اپل میتونین ما رو سرچ کنین تحت تاپیک های مختلف و اگر کسانی هستن که فکر میکنین از برنامه های ما استفاده کنن خواهش میکنم ازشون دعوت کنیم به برنامه توجه کنن برمیگردیم و دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم سرنوشت را باید از سرنوشت شاید این بار کمی بهتر نوشت آشقی را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را از کجا این باور آمد که گفت گر روید سر بر نگردد سر with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrade. And if you just turn on your radio and you're listening to us speaking in English, uh, we are um, together on Saturdays and Sundays uh, at Radio Bomdad and we talk about different topics of psychology. Our today conversation is about skills in communication and so far we've been talking about authenticity, about the skills with different um, people and in different situations. And um, we are back and now we continue our conversation. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about authenticity is authenticity to do anything with courage. Because I know um, being courageous has a definition in different parts of life, in leadership, in um, daily life. Uh, is because we talked about how difficult it is to relay a message when you're thinking uh, of the other person and how he or she may take it. Um, I have found myself that I need to work on my courage whenever it comes to relaying something that is difficult to share because I so much think about how the other 
people or the other person take it that I have to really think how I want to relay the message. But I noticed that there are people who are very courageous. They just stand for what they believe and they say it um, and they don't care about how people take it. I guess maybe it's part of who we are. Maybe it's part of, again, authenticity we are talking about, because that is part of who you are. But I wonder how much courage uh, fits into communication. I think it's the, the courage to, to try. I think it's, we think of it as the courage to do it all the time, or that that's going to be the way we communicate now. But I think it starts even smaller than that, just recognizing that what if we were to just try to say it one time, to express it with one person. And so I usually think of it that way. So that way we can say it to somebody we know, somebody we trust, we care about, who we know that their 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 care, their consideration of us is to the utmost so we can feel comfortable enough in being able to communicate kind of in a different way. Daniel? Yeah, I think the courage is in facing parts of ourselves that we're afraid of. I think there's some things that are pretty painful to discover about ourselves and we kind of shy away from those. And we know those deep, we know what those are deeper down. It's like when people are taking self-assessment tests or if they're taking tests at work to learn about themselves more. There's a certain resistance, for example, to having a 360 evaluation at work, an evaluation where the people above you and the people below you write up an, an evaluation of you. And I think that it's because we feel that we feel like, oh, they're going to see these parts of ourselves that we may not really like that much. Now, I have known people who really like those, who really get into those and can get that. And probably what's happened for them is that they've gotten to a place where there isn't as much of that hiding from themselves things about themselves. So I think it takes a certain amount of courage. If you think about this, think about it in this way. It means discovering yourself. And the scariest things in the world generally are things that are inside us. And if you question that at all, tell me what it's like when you have a nightmare, because the stuff that's in the nightmare is what's inside you, right? The things that are terrifying in nightmare is it's inside you. Whatever your nightmare is, that's yours. And you're carrying that around with you somewhere inside your soul. So that's the scariest things are inside us. I'm not saying stuff out in the world isn't scary. War is scary. Auto accidents are scary. Industrial accidents are scary. Yes. But again, the experiential part of it, how we experience it is all what's inside me. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of courage that's required to know ourselves and courage required to address someone else in a certain way because it brings up things inside ourselves. Mm -hmm. We know what it's like to be delivered a harsh message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you talked about 360 evaluation. At work, we always had 360 evaluation from above and from below. And I remember it was very scary to me at first. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I had a hard time when they released it to read it. And I was just thinking, oh, my heart was really beating hard to think, 
you know, I have to take it, whatever it's in here. But then you become good at it. You really learn. And I think like anything else is a learning process. You tell yourself, okay, if that part is something that they're telling me that I need to improve, you really have to take it well in order to be able to open up to it. Otherwise, you're going to live with it in a very difficult way. But then you never even know that there are so many other good parts that they share, which make you happy too. You know what I mean? So so your expectation is all very different. You know, you're just thinking, oh my gosh, what are they going to say? And our evaluation was so in detail. Every... I don't know, I think it was like 40, 50 questions. It was all in detail about work, about personality, about attitude, about uh, decision-making, about anything you can imagine if someone um, in life is uh, at work experiencing, it was in that evaluation. And um, I remember this very clearly that how difficult was for me at first to even go through and read it. And I remember I was so anxious. I wasn't reading it so carefully. I was just reading to see if there's anything negative. And I was mm-hmm. only focusing on if there's anything negative. And I got good at it. I was very courageous in facing it. And uh, I, I, it was then that I learned anything in life, when you face it, you gradually become good at it because you have to deal with it. It is what it is. You know, they're going to every year evaluate you from top management to all the staff and people you work with you. So you are on your toes in many ways, but you become very careful with every step you take. And not only that, you become good at have the courage to face what you have to face, you know. Plus, it probably helps keep in your awareness things while you're working with all those people the rest of the time, right? So you read the 360 evaluation and you know this is my sensitive area or this is thing I need to work on. So then that's in your mind as you're going throughout the next days and the weeks and months leading up to that with the bringing into our awareness so then we can make some change on it. Because without awareness, we're not going to make change. If we haven't gotten the info from the evaluation, we don't know about it. We haven't asked anybody about it. We're not going to know it. So we're not going to operate differently. So that's a value, building awareness. And it does take courage to do that. I do. And I think uh, you develop your emotional awareness. And that was really big for me, that it's sort of in every aspect, you just learn as you deal with these things, you know, you realize, okay, at the beginning, my emotion was really high. And I was just thinking, oh, you know, wow, you know, why didn't I, for example, think of this? Why didn't I notice this? You know, I have to be more careful. So your emotion is really um, high. And then you just learn even to deal with your emotions. So that way you even develop your emotions. You reflect, you become 
completely a reflective person because you keep thinking about all these things. You, as you said, uh, Dan, throughout the year with people you are dealing, you just try to remember some of those issues, you know, and you try to practice, practice. I have to work on this part. I have to work on that part. Yeah. When we were, when I was director of a chronic pain clinic, Alex, that's when you first came to see me. Do you remember working with the patients on factors, what we called factors, factor work? I don't remember off the top of my head. No, not a, yeah, not meant as a quiz question to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, it's a but uh, what we did with everybody was I said, pick three goals, three things you want to get better at or work on on yourself. And then each day record something that you did differently intentionally differently in each of those areas and just write down what it was it didn't require a whole lot of note taking just at the end of the day write down what did you do and then the next day we would review it and it was a very quick thing it was a very brief thing but what it did was reinforce their own awareness of what they're working on so that as they go throughout their day an opportunity presents itself for them to do something to work on it and i don't mean I never did mean that it was some great big thing to do differently. It's just if ordinarily you don't say good morning to somebody and you do say good morning and that's something you're working on, then that's a change. That's an important change. So it's something like that. It's just how can we build awareness? And I think too, and that's like going back to the evaluation, that's something that occurs in a group setting too, is there's some kind of accountability with that too, where it's like, okay, you know, and I, I seen that in the group, I remember that where people were excited to share about those ways that they're, you know, trying those opportunities that they found. And so each time I remember at first people would be a little hesitant, but then eventually it became the, oh, look what I've been doing and look at how I'm working in that way. And so I, I do remember those moments so that those check-ins where it was really powerful to see people excited to share things that they're not so great at, which typically you think people would be like, I'm not going to share that. No, it became this thing where it's like, look at what I'm doing. It's not about uh, achieving it or even perfecting it. It's just that I'm trying, I'm striving towards that. And everybody, especially in that group setting could relate to that experience, which encouraged everybody, I think even a little bit more. And as well as I remember there were people in the group at different levels or different stages of the, of the, the group process and so there would be some people who could, you know, you can look to those people who had been where you were maybe at the beginning and, and you can see, oh, progress was possible. So I think that was something that was encouraging um, for that growth. I think for ourselves individually, it's harder to see, you know, oh, how could I, what would me getting better look like? And so I think in the, in the group setting, that can be really powerful in that way. You know, as you guys were talking, I was just thinking, imagine that in our daily life, we always think of three things daily that we want to improve. And what did we do to improve that? We never take time to do that for ourselves. When we are required, like for example, when I was thinking about the 360 degree evaluation, you're on your toes, you always um, work on your communication, your everyday work, uh, and uh, dealing with different people in every aspect of your work. I was just thinking, 
why don't we do that in our daily life in self-awareness? Can you imagine, you know, a lot of times when I was uh, working with patients and whenever I talk to people who have issues, I always say, think of five things that in life you have to appreciate. So, of course, we don't go there at the beginning, think of three things you want to improve because there's so many issues that come with people that first you want to bring positive in their life. But I was just thinking now that we're talking about communication, which a lot of it is with your awareness, it's very difficult for anyone because we are so wrapped up in daily life in things that we do naturally without even thinking. We never sit back in silence and say, I know I have this issue, this issue, and this issue. And even if it's not an issue, we can say, I like to improve in this, in this, in this. You know, we never do that. Imagine if daily we have this in our mind by practice, it makes us a different person, I think, within ourselves, with people, and in, in our life, how can we make this awareness thing happen daily? I always like the question, what's one small thing I can do today? I, I feel like sometimes it's even so overwhelming to, to think about all the things we need to do or all the things we should do, or even the things we want to do. So I find even just starting with what one small thing that I can do a little differently. And and Daniel, you, you kind of touched on an example, you know, if somebody's trying to be social and just say hello or good morning, like it doesn't have to be this huge life-changing thing. We can just go out of our comfort zone just a little bit. If that was something where they're wanting to be more social or wanting to engage or be more outwardly focused, something like that could be, you know, powerful. I even encourage people sometimes like going and sitting outside for a moment or standing outside, you know, they're like, Oh, I want to go, you know, walk, you know, three miles every day. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to start there. You, you know, that's probably going to be a, a tough, you know, thing to just jump into. What if you just went outside? What if you just stood outside for a minute and were a little more engaged, a little bit more present? And I, and I think that's what you're alluding to, too, this idea of just being a little more aware. And if we can do that in these small ways, I think it can lead to sometimes these bigger changes for ourselves too. We got to another break. Uh, we come back and we continue our last part of our conversation. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندرا دمروز در خدمتون هستیم. ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت 12 تا که بعد از ظهر به زبان انگلیسی صحبت می‌کنیم در مورد تاپیک‌های مختلف روانشناسی ما از شرکت توانا هستیم که شرکت توانا یک شرکت غیر انتفاعی هست و کلا در مورد مسائل روانشناسی یاری میکنیم افرادی رو که نیاز به کمک دارن و خوشحالیم که با رادیو بامداد همکاری داریم اگر که دوست دارین تاپیک های ما رو گوش بدین ما حدود 160 پادکست داریم از سپاریفای و از اپل میتونیم ما رو سرچ کنین و تحت تاپیک های مختلف صدای ما رو بشنوین ما امروز راجب ارتباطات و اهمیت اینکه خودمون رو بیشتر بشناسیم تا بتونیم بهتر ارتباط برقرار کنیم با هم نوان خودمون و با در محیط کار در خانواده با دوستانمون و برمیگردیم دنبال صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم 
بکاریم از دل گل گل در زمستان در باران زیر باران گل بکاریم گر Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrade. If you just turn on your radio and you are listening to us on Saturdays and Sundays, we um, have a conversation regarding different topics that are in daily, our daily life, which anything we speak of, it relates to psychology. And communication is a big part in the content of psychology because uh, in our communication, uh, many times we are facing with difficulty, um, difficult conversation. We have uh, different ways of interpretation or perceptions that we have from the communication we have. So today, um, the first two part of our conversation was different style of communication, um, the cor courage, uh, the courage that we sometimes need to use in communication authenticity, our beliefs, our values. And now at the end of our uh, show, we are continuing with um, different ways of communication. And I was just uh, thinking of one of the other things that um, maybe could be part of our communication is we many times uh, try to change other people and our communication purpose with especially people that are close to us is talking about different ways that we can change the other person or with the hope we change different people. So I was wondering, um, we know that things don't work that way. And we know that uh, changes in attitudes uh, and behavior rarely come about because of um, 
you know, communication that we try to make it happen. Um, this is also another part of communication that we notice that a lot of people are teaching each other in their communication. And I've seen that in many people that in their daily communication, not only maybe they're sarcastic, but they're always teaching. You know, you don't do this this way. We always think that this is the way we do things. Or, you know, you have seen people who are communicating that way, whether uh, from a husband and wife, uh, partners, roommates, you know. Um, so what do you think about that part? Do you mean teaching in a bad way? <laughs> like, you know how you are, you need to change this part. Or do you mean teaching in a, like a demonstrating way, like setting it? Well, let's just bring it um, in, a, in an example. You know, something that maybe we are guilty of that too. For example, remember one time we were talking about the knife and the importance of this is my knife. This is, this is how, you know, we, I mean, simple things. Let's say uh, you are, um, you know, having a roommate and you have different tools in the kitchen and you constantly are communicating with the person who is living with you how to use the tools or how to do this, how to do that. I think this is, this is a difficult part of communication so that you want to, you know, talk about that in the hope that you're living comfortably in peace with the other person and, and you're constantly trying to teach that person to be like you because you have certain way of doing things. And this is also another part of communication. How do we deal with that? Well, I, I can give you my take on it. And then Alex will probably reverse that take, but I will go ahead anyway. I think it means knowing yourself well enough to know in that situation, what are some things which are really next to that non-negotiable area for me? So you bring up the knife thing. Do not use my sharp knives to cut on a stone counter. That is, that will not, that will de-sharpen them. So that's the part that, that's kind of not very negotiable for me. If I spend money getting them sharpened, don't do that. That's a problem. Um, on the other hand, okay, if it happens, you just go get them sharpened again. It's not that big a deal. But you need to know that everybody deserves to have a few things that they can stand on. And then the other part is, well, how can we tolerate? How can we have tolerance and acceptance for how things go? So I think for me that a big part is knowing yourself well enough to know what things are way out there in the and this is very important for me. And the other things are, these are pretty important, but you can slide on those a lot easier than these things. Alex, let's hear from you. Alternatively, in, in contrast to what Daniel said. <laughs> and in contrast, <laughs> I like that. I was waiting in, for something in well, protest. <laughs> well communicated, Alex. In protest of Daniel's previous <laughs> comments. <laughs> In order to point out how silly his comments are. No, no. But I was thinking about what Saide mentioned. Uh, I wanted to touch on that idea of, you know, that I think we can be communicating in a way where we're hoping for others to change. And I think that can be kind of risky sometimes because then where we're just thinking to 
our end? Like, what do I want from this person? So I, I think it's always worthwhile to ask ourselves and remind ourselves, like, who am I communicating with? You know, how can I say this in a way that they can hear it? The, you know, with the knife example, you know, if we say, well, nope, it's my knife, damn it, they're going to learn that it's my knife. They're going to, you know, I'm going to drill it in them that they are going to realize that. Well, that may not work so well if it's somebody who they don't care about the knives. They don't think about it in that way. And it's not malicious. It's just, they're just like, I needed a knife. I grabbed a knife. And so you might have to kind of approach them a little differently. Otherwise you're just going to butt heads because you're expecting them to change. You're expecting them to take that on in the way that you do. And I find a lot of times we can, we can get further we can get closer together or on more common ground if we're thinking, how, what do I know about this person? How do I know they communicate so that we can try to kind of meet somewhere in the middle? Um, believe me, I, I've constantly say, I just wish everybody did what I said all of the time. Everything would be perfect, <laughs> but that's not the case. We have to remember that people see the world through their own eyes, their own experiences, there are some things that they're focused on that, you know, uh, I'm not and vice versa. So trying to say, well, like, who am I communicating with? How can I get this message across? Okay. Where are you on the knife thing? Uh, I need to know your stand on. Yeah, that. no, I, 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 I'm under the knife, uh, under the gun, yeah. under the knife here. Let's see. About the knife. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I have like two knives, three knives. Like, I don't uh, like, yeah, I, I, I'm big about cutting boards. So I will say that. There's a cutting board for fruit. There's a cutting board for meat and the two shall never meet. And so maybe kind of related, I, I can respect the idea, certain knives for certain things, certain cutting boards for certain things. So, okay. See common ground, common ground. Yes. Well, well done. You approached that very well. Side A, knife. What's your knife? Oh, you know, I was uh, going to say, I really like you have two different cutting boards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because, where it came from, but like, it just makes no, sense to I'm me. I'm very actually sensitive about that too, because when you <laughs> cut meat, you know, it's different than when you cut fruits. You don't want those to be mixed. I'm glad you said that. Give me five Okay. Like okay virtual five. Yeah. All right. Well, plus the, the meat cutting board, as I understand, it's supposed to be like this polycarbonate or plastic type thing, not wood. Cause that those bio yeah, it goes, stay yeah. in. gets in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So for that, you know, for the fruit, you can cut it on anything really, because then you can wash it. It's going to go off, but with meat, you have to be careful, but I was going to go back to the knife thing. Really. It's an example, but there's so many other things that are way more important than the knife. But the knife is a good example because I was just thinking as we, as I just actually started this question, you know, there's certain things as Alex also mentioned that are not that important, but there is one thing that it's your belief and your values. If that is going to be scratched then you can deal with that. So I think in communication, when we talked about belief and values, there's one part that if that doesn't happen, then it's going to be difficult for you. And I think this needs to be clear because you may, like talking about changing people, obviously we know that we can change people. I think everybody in the world is, is hoping 
that in their love life, you know, people could be this, could be that, or, you know, in parties, in real life, in, in all different aspects of, you know, people's life. But we know that this is not going to happen. But on, on one part that is very, very crucial for you, let's say, Alex, for example, your family, uh, they're so important to you that you can't take it if anything in communication comes that scratch that part. Or for me, let's say, if there's anything that uh, my profession or whatever, you know, everybody has something that you know, if, if people in communication cross that point, you can't take it well. So that was the thing I was just mentioning regarding the knife. Maybe that was an example, but like I totally when we totally understand when it's something like knife but do we also understand those parts that is very important to us that you don't want anybody to cross yeah mm -hmm. we, we all have our lines yeah in that way and yeah recognizing yep yep so how do you deal with that if somebody really doesn't care about that part do you talk about it do you because i think this is really important well, yeah, I think that you talk about it with them to help them understand how important it is to you. There, I think that it's important in relationships to, there are things that we can ask of other people to change. And at the same time, we also need to be willing to make change as well. Uh, I know we have a very, very short um window is there anything you guys want to say because our program is uh, sort of ended so i just leave it to you guys and we get yeah, to the end so quick sometimes yeah. yeah yeah go ahead daniel use the knife and cut it off man <laughs> end it all here okay no. um don't don't uh don't be so tight on the knife dan <laughs> I like that ending. Okay, have a wonderful week ahead and we meet you next week. گرچه سرد و سخت زیباست موج این دریا گرد و سرگذشتم سرنوشتت سرگذشتم چه حافظ پای کوبان و غزل خان 
لشکر غم را به سوزان بر فلک سفی نمانده این زمان هر بزن تا بی کرانه سرنوشت را باید از سرنوشت شاید این با کمی بهتر نوشت آشقی را غرق در باور سهارا <تصفيق> 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 